Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Hey friends, and welcome to the happy hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life and everything in between. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Friday, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Happy Hour. Today is episode 346, and my guest is Rondell Trevino, and it is the middle of December, you guys. We're doing it. We're making it. My prayer and hope for you as you enter into this holiday season is that you will see the beauty that is celebrating the fact that God put on flesh and came down to be with us. It is something we're celebrating, and I pray that you get to see that and experience it in the midst of a super hard year. Guys, speaking of a super hard year, you guys have heard me talk about this for the last couple of weeks, and I'm going to keep talking about it because I'm so excited to partner with Compassion International for you, the Happy Hour listeners, to help them as they help kids in their community. Compassion's tagline is releasing kids from poverty in Jesus' name. And my favorite thing about Compassion International is they literally work through the local church in every community. I've seen this in action when I visited them in Haiti, when I visited them in Kenya, when I visited them in Mexico City. I've seen their work where they work through the local church. And I'm asking if you want to partner with them right now to help kids who are in the Dominican Republic. We have picked that country as a place that we want to focus on. We've had over 100 kids sponsored since Thanksgiving. I'm so thankful for you guys for doing that. We have a big vision. We would love to see every kid in the DR who's been waiting over a year get a sponsor. The sponsor is someone who gives $38 a month, but you also get to really pour into their lives through letter writing. And if you listen to my episode with Jonathan Almonte that came out the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, you remember how important that is. Right now, we want to give you a thank you gift. If you sponsor between now and the end of 2020, we'd love to send you a copy of my new book, UBU, plus a Christmas ornament from Grace Lace. Go to compassion.com slash Ivy. That's my last name, I-V-E-Y, to see all of the details and all of the kids that need sponsors right now. We also have a really big plan to hopefully take a trip to the DR with Compassion and with Happy Hour listeners to visit the child that you sponsor. So go to Compassion.com slash Ivy for all the details. For $38 a month, we can literally change the life of not only a child, but also their family and eventually their community. Friends, we have a great show today. I had the great opportunity to sit down and talk to Rondell Trevino, and I've been wanting to talk to him for a while. I followed him on Instagram where he would just have some terrific one-liners to help us all focus on Jesus in the midst of a crazy 2020 in particular, a crazy election season. Rondell is the founder and director of the Immigration Coalition. It's a faith-based nonprofit providing clean drinking water to Latino, immigrant, migrant, and asylum-seeking communities along the U.S.-Mexico border. We spent a lot of time talking today about how we got started with this work, what their goal is, and how you, too, can partner with them to help people have clean drinking water in the midst of a hard situation that they might be enduring. You're going to enjoy this conversation. So here it is, Rondell Trevino on The Happy Hour. Rondell, welcome to The Happy Hour. Hey, good to see you. Good to be with you. I'm excited. Like you said, it's long overdue. I'm excited to have a conversation. 
This is so long overdue, and I will admit, I don't know how I found you. I'm going to guess it was on the Instagram because, you know, we're finding people these days online, and then we start following them. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, I want to talk to this person. So I think that's how I found you. But introduce yourself to all of our listeners because we both live in Austin, Texas, which is crazy. Yeah, we do. We do. Yeah, Rondale Trevino, my family moved here to Austin in the midst of the pandemic on March 16th. I did um, not know that y'all are new Austinites. Yeah, we were in Memphis for 10 years. I was in Memphis for 10 years. My wife was there for a couple years with me. And yeah, we moved in the midst of a pandemic. And before the pandemic, we were like, this is where God wants us to be. And then we moved here. And I was like, God, do you really want us to be <laughs> in Austin? Or where are you leading us? I don't want to try to trust you here. And so, but God has been good. We, we've been here for eight or nine months. And yeah, I, we came down here primarily as a pastoral position here in a local church. And then also the organization that I run, the Immigration Coalition. So, yeah. That's awesome. And you have two little girls. Yes. Two beautiful daughters. Sophia, she's three. Charlotte is turning one January 7th. They're very close. So that means you also moved here with like a three-month-old. Oh, yeah. She's a COVID baby. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and my beautiful wife, Laura Trevino, she is from El Salvador. She was born in Guatemala, lived there for three or four years, moved to El Salvador. We met in a Bible program in Memphis, Tennessee. She was there just for the year. And then she went back to El Salvador. We reconnected, fell in love, got married on Valentine's Day in 2015 in El Salvador. Went through a two-year process of applying for an, uh, for an I-130 visa for her to come. And just through that process, God just opened up our hearts for the topic of immigration. How do you educate the church? And yeah, we're now we're here and doing a ton of work here in Austin. And I feel like I've been in Austin for 10 years, the work that I've been we've been doing. But it's been amazing. Yeah, it's been awesome. Well, I think everyone's going to look back on 2020 and say it's like the year that actually was three. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, was that Uh, actually one year? Yes, it's crazy. It's been crazy. I was telling someone last night about something that happened in March, right before everything shut down in Austin, Texas. And I was just thinking, that feels like a lifetime ago that that happened. And also, on the flip side... It felt like March lasted, you know, an eternity. And then what happened in November? I'm like, what's happening right now? It's just crazy. Exactly. Everything, every, 2020 has been a very interesting year. To say the least. Tons of ups and downs, blessings in the midst of COVID, but also, you know, it's been a roller coaster. I've been calling it a sanctifying thrill ride. It's been a roller coaster that's like sanctification process. It's fun here and there. There's been ups and downs and we will never forget this year. (laughs) We will never forget it. Now, when you did your introduction, I was like, oh my gosh, there are 78 things that we could talk about. But first, I do want to ask you, you just kind of summed it up. But when you look back at 2020, I mean, I didn't realize that you guys had moved right before everything shut down. I didn't realize you had a newborn when this happened. And so you came here for a pastoral position. You also run an organization that we're going to dive into because I'm so interested in it. When you look back at 2020, you described it as a sanctifying roller coaster. But what have you learned about yourself, your family? What have you learned in the midst of all this? Because I do like, I think we get to the end of 2020 and everyone will go, that's the worst year. I want to shut the door. I never want to look back. But I'm a big believer, but that there's also blessings and there's also good things in the midst of everything. That's how God works, you know? So what is that for you? Well, and you asked the question in your document last night, and I was pondering on it. What God has been teaching me in 2020, one of the beautiful things, and I think every dad can contest this, is the being able to spend more time with your family. 
And I, God has really convicted me in the midst of trying to figure out, you know, running an organization, being a pastor. So often I can fall into somehow believing that the ministry that God has given me to proclaim the gospel and do good work sometimes become more important than my wife and my children. And that is, that's what God has rocked me with is he has told me this year. Now, you know, there's times where you just need to hang up your work at 3 p.m. or 2 p.m. because I can create my own hours, you know, and you just need to go hang out with your family. And graciously, I have a strong Latina who will tell me when I need to <laughs> sit down and hang out with them and, and spend time with family. And so she, God has really used her to, you know, on Fridays and Saturdays, particularly, we try, especially Saturdays, we try to really hang out as a family and do something as a family. So God is really just trying to help me to focus on my wife is my number one ministry. My children are my number one ministry. How am I pouring into them? Like I'm pouring into the immigration coalition or I'm pouring into my tweets or sharing or speaking or whatever it may be. And I'm not in a place where I feel like that is a priority, my wife and my children. God is taking me through that right now. And I'm having to figure out how do I do this, God, with the work that you've given me and make sure that I'm shepherding and loving my family and making sure they know that it's more important. So having those conversations with my wife, am I doing that well? And knowing that she's going to give me an answer that's going to rock me. <laughs> You have the Holy Spirit and Laura who are going to keep you in line. Yes, exactly. But it's been a blessing, right? It, when God convicts us through the Spirit, it's a blessing because he, he cares for us and He wants us to get things right and, and put things in, into perspective and where they need to be. And I, and I think this during COVID-19, it's been a blessing for me to spend more time with family, but also notice that I, I need to figure and focus on uh, how am I growing my marriage? How am I loving her as Christ loved the church? and discipling my daughters. That's so good. I think a lot of people are going to have that same sentiment at the end of the year of everyone's, you know, had to pivot and do things differently. And a lot of people are going to say that. Now, I want to jump in and talk about the Immigration Coalition. It's a faith-based nonprofit providing clean drinking water to Latino, immigrant, migrant, and asylum-seeking communities along the U.S.-Mexico border, which you coming from Memphis, Austin, you're a lot closer to the U.S.-Mexico border um, here in Texas, at least. And I had the opportunity, I guess it would have been about a year and a half ago, to head to El Paso and visit the Mexico border there and head over into Mexico and visit some people doing phenomenal work there. But when I was reading up on you, I was embarrassingly unaware about the water crisis on the border. And so can you kind of give us a little education, fill us in, A, what is the crisis that's happening? And then how are you guys stepping in to try to be a solution to that problem? Yeah, so it's interesting as we are talking and we're learning more about this crisis. I feel like it's been a niche and something that's been there for years. And God has opened up the door for the Immigration Coalition to say, okay, this is something we can actually focus on as an organization. We're we're barely into finishing year two as an organization. But again, I feel like we've been existing for 10 years ever since we've been in Austin, partnering with your amazing church, Austin Stone, who we're partners with them now and them being able to come alongside us and help us figure out what that looks like. And so when we came to Austin, one of the biggest reasons was I don't want a ministry specifically that is just all articles uh, heavy on policy, which those things are vitally important. And we were leading in ways uh, and partnering with the EIT and organizations that I know you, they overlap around the topic of immigration and we work with them. But I was like, how can we holistically be hands-on with immigrants? How can we holistically get our hands dirty and, and use something 
that isn't so viewed as a political issue and draws people from both sides of the aisle when it comes to immigration to say, okay, that human deserves that basic need. And then use that to pluck their heartstrings to say, oh, well, what is the biblical perspective on immigration? What are the policies now? We wanted to leave with something that is gospel-centered, not policy-centered, because the gospel changes hearts, not policy. And so, and policy change is important. And so I wrestled with the Lord. There was, we were here for a month already. We're, we live in a tiny home now, but we lived in an apartment two, three months ago. And there was just three nights I was just wrestling with the Lord. Lord, what can we do to the Immigration Coalition that is tangible, simple, powerful, that brings people from all sides to say, I just want to jump in and partner with you. And we love what you're doing. And I did tons of research. I was researching like crazy till four or 5 a.m. And I came upon four or five articles, some research papers from some professors, one in El Paso who's written a really good paper on. And it's interesting that this hasn't become a more popular issue. And it was the water, the lack of clean drinking water along the entire U.S.-Mexico border. And I was blown away. I was like, man, when you think about like these amazing organizations that are doing tons of great work in other countries, Charity Water is one of them that I love what they're doing. Other organizations, there's a water organization, I think, here in in Austin, and they're planting these wells and doing this amazing work in Africa and different parts of the world. I'm like, that's awesome. And then I started reading this research and started reading these articles. And I'm like, man, not only is there a need for water in other countries, but it's right at our front door along the U.S.-Mexico border. And I said, the number one place to start for us, because we had a relationship with the community already, was the tent camp that got a ton of media attention. As Even right now, there's 1,500 migrants I'm seeking waiting to seek asylum right across Brownsville. And so we went in, and I knew a guy down there who we partner with and said, hey, man, what can we do to love these people? How can we be an organization that do they need water? And how can we also not just provide water, but also share the love of Christ because he's the eternal living water. And so he was like, man, we'd love for you to partner. A lot of young missionaries and organizations down there that are Christian, they're almost ostracized, if you will. There's more organizations, uh, I would say, doing really, really good work. But the Christianity piece isn't something they want a part of the tent camp there. And so we went in and we said, hey, how can we serve? Let's just do it. We went to a water company in Matamoros and, and we said, okay, you know, based on this community's needs, we want them to be processed. We want them to come and be processed eventually, either based on their credible their credible fear or their testimony, either be allowed in the U.S. or rejected based on whatever the asylum case comes to. And so we said, but for the time being, we're going to provide clean drinking water. We're not going to build a well. We're not going to build a something that seems like they'll be there long term. We're going to provide five-gallon water jugs. And so we've started to do that five months ago. And till this day, every time I go down, I'm known as the Awa guy. And we provide every family in that tent camp with clean water, one five-gallon water jug every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And so we started doing that. And when we launched that and we you know, posted on social media, our organization kind of just took off. And people were like, hey, can we, how can we partner? We were able to do it in such a way, too, Jamie, that I said, how can we do it in such a way that it's not expensive for people to partner with us? How do we make it affordable to partner with this. Things are cheaper in Mexico. And so we met with the water company. We said, here's our vision. Here's what we want to do. We want to provide this clean water for the time being right now. And so we met with the water company. Like, we love what you're doing. Instead of $8 a water a month for each water jug, we're just going to charge you $4. So that means $1 a week. Wow. We were able to launch and market and tell people, hey, you can partner with us 
and sponsor one migrant family of four with clean drinking water every month. They'll have water every week for only $4. That's cheaper than a small coffee. I could find $4 probably in the bottom of all my purses right now. Exactly. And so we were able to launch that and people around the country just started partnering with us. And it was amazing was we had atheists, we have Buddhists, we have people from different religions saying, we love what you're doing. We want to partner. So we've been able to have gospel conversations with people who are wondering why y'all doing this and be able to share the gospel with people who partner with us monthly. So you have people, we've had five or six children, you know, give their allowance to TIC for the month to provide the water. And so we started doing that. I was like, okay, there, this is one part, right? And as I continue to do the research, I learned that there are 13 million migrants, Latinos, asylum seekers, along the entire southern border from Brownsville, all the way on the bottom of the southern border, all the way to San Diego, in need of clean drinking water. And they're called colonias. And colonias are neighborhoods that are labeled as communities with the worst resources, disease. I mean, it's like going to Africa, but it's at the border. And there's disease, there's sickness, there's a lack of education, there's no clean water, and it's on both sides. So you have, right now we're starting in Matamoros on the Mexico side, But there are 5,000 plus colonias neighborhoods on the U.S. side or along the southern border where they live in areas where they're not in a district. And so they can't get funding. They can't get the money they need to build their housing. And so they have these slums and these built up sheds or these broke down RVs with no clean drinking water. And if they do, some of them do have water. It's dark brown water. And so we have said, okay, God. We provide biblically balanced resources as an organization. We'll continue to do this, but we're restructuring our organization now because this is, we feel God has really said, this is what I want y'all to do. Mm. And so it has been a huge blessing because we've been able to really, again, touch on people's heartstrings to say, man, I want to get involved. And once they give and churches partner with us, they want to know more about the topic of immigration. And so it also helps us too, because we come alongside the National Immigration Forum, we come alongside our brothers and sisters at the Evangelical Immigration Table and we're able to help each other. And so it's been a huge blessing. So right now we're in that tent camp. We're about to launch this week. We're launching in a 3,500 plus family slum 10 minutes away from that tent camp in Matamoros. There's 3,000 plus families in this 100 plus acre slum. They're living in shacks. The families have nothing. We're, we just placed six 2,500-gallon water tanks in strategic areas. We just built four new roads so the water tanks uh, can come through and provide the water. And every week, we've been able to work with the same water company. They're going to fill up every water tank every week on Monday, starting next week. And so the families have clean drinking water. And hopefully, you know, Jamie, our goal is, you know, we go in, we see the community, we build a relationship with the community leaders, we see the immediate need. We provide whatever is needed basic offer when it comes to water. We implement whatever water solutions they need. And so from there, it doesn't end. We don't just want to come in and provide the water and say, oh, we'll see y'all later. Yeah, you know, peace out. The next step from that is how do we get churches and people of goodwill to say, I'm going to sponsor this water tank. Or I'm going to sponsor this camp and pay for it. And we're going to long-term build a relationship with this community. So the slum that we're building right now with the six water tanks, there's five or six churches that want to sponsor the water and pay for it long-term and say, how can we bring mission teams down You know, every month? And we're building relationships with these people and we're planning churches and we're sharing the gospel and we're loving people. And so that's the long-term vision. And so now 
we're in talks with Monte Alto, which is literally three hours away from Austin. In on the U.S. side, I have a meeting with the community leader there on the 14th of December when I go to the border. There's five or six Colonias communities with no water. We're going to go in there, try to figure out what they need specifically, build a relationship, and then implement the best water solution. And long term, we want to be able to do that. And once we implement the water solution, we want to get churches to say, I want to adopt this community. I want to be in relationship with this community long term. I want to help them. I want to love them and care for them. So that's our vision right now. We're learning. Well, I'm not definitely not an expert at none of this, but I do know that people need water. And I'm like, man, this is bringing people from all sides. We have conservatives, we have progressives, we have atheists, we have people who are radically different on theological, religious, and political views. And they're saying, I just want to partner with you. And we've been able to have amazing fruitful conversations with people and getting them to talk even further when it comes to immigration. So why do they need water? And now they want to talk about we need immigration reform on the issue. So that's been helpful. And and, yeah, I can't say enough about your church. And I know your husband works at Austin Stone. We love Austin Stone. I'm telling you, we love Austin Stone. People need to know that. They have partnered with us. When we came to Austin, the Justin Dunton, the one executive pastor, he hit me up instantly and said, we want to partner with you. And here's a gift card to for food for your family for the week. Steve, all the, your entire staff, y'all's entire staff over there has, has been tremendously a huge blessing to us in coming alongside and believing in what we do. And we're indebted to y'all's church. So if well, I ever leave the church that I'm at and I'd leave as a pastor, <laughs> I'm coming over there. Come on over. But we'd love to partner. You stay where you're at. We'll just partner together. <laughs> You know, I love that you said that, and I'm, you know, such a big fan of my church. I remember when we moved, we've been here 13 years, wow. and one of the first couple of Sundays that we were here, our pastor at the time, Matt Carter, was preaching his message, and it was all about For the City, and that's before we had the campuses, it's before we had For the City yeah. Center, and the mission that our church had to really be a church for our city. We're also a church for the nations, as you can tell, partnering with you, but I just bawled through the whole message, because I remember thinking, this is the place I want to be, and so, okay, I have some questions for you. First of all... Yeah. I love that you said, what is a need that everybody can get behind? Like, you're not creating an organization that is going down with the sole purpose, only purpose of teaching people the gospel. Now, we're both believers in Jesus. We both want everyone to hear the gospel. But we also know that sometimes meeting physical needs is how you give people the gospel. But you also said, we need to do something that everyone can get behind. This is not just going to be like, you know, evangelicals or whatever. So I love that you did that. And I just was reading John chapter four, where Jesus met the woman at the well. And Mm -hmm. he was, there was a physical need that needed to be met. And then he offered her living water. I do have a question because you've mentioned to me that this clean water drinking initiative is a new thing, something that you guys have just started. What was your goal in starting the Immigration Coalition before the Clean Drinking Initiative came in? Yeah, it was providing biblically balanced resources on immigration. And so okay. we still continue to do that. We write articles, we have a podcast, we train churches and consult with churches a lot on how to think biblically on immigration. How do you show deep compassion for immigrants, but also there is an important piece of uh, implementing healthy border security and wanting to respect the law. So how do you marry those two together and know that it's a both and, not either or. And so uh, training churches on that has, has been huge for us in that approach. And so, yeah, we were doing that before, and we continue to do it. It's just we're now leading with the water and then leading to that in many ways when it comes to educating churches and things of that sort. I remember when I went down to the border and we met with U.S. Border Patrol officials, Mm-hmm. And I remember I went in, I've said this on, before on the podcast, I went into that little meeting like 
we're going to find out what's going on here. Like that we're going to see these people are bad, just like I hear in the media, like all the things. And I left that conversation more confused than I was before I got in there. (laughs) And I left that conversation very much reminded that these are human people who are doing a job that they've been put out to do. And a lot of times their hands are tied behind their back and they're trying the best. And I I remember leaving going, this is such an intense, in-depth, multi-layer conversation about immigration, border security. I mean, I just left going, oh my gosh, the people that have to make these laws, these rules, these, my mind was blown is what it was. And I left there confused. Oh, yes. And what we see oftentimes is we don't want to, Christians don't want to be the, in that tension, right? They it's don't want to be in that It hurts. Sweat. It's Complex. difficult. Yeah. And it makes you have to think and you have to wrestle with, man, Lord, where is the best approach when it comes to this topic? And it, that's why it's easier to generalize. It's always easier to say, all immigrants are illegal. They don't need to come. Or, man, ICE, Immigration and Customs for it, they just need to be defunded, abolished. Because it's easy to choose those extreme sides, but that's not the right approach. It, so true. It actually hurts the conversation. A lot of border security agents are really good people. Majority of them are good people. There are some bad apples. There's bad apples in every group. And so when it comes to immigration, you know there are, I know Christian men and women who are border patrol agents who are working hard and that's their job and they're kind to the migrants but they're doing their job because they've been given a mission even if it's against in some ways what what should be done and so you go there and you're like okay this is so much more like you said complex than what people think and when it comes to migrants and asylum seekers coming to the border to seek asylum yeah there are many cases every year the border patrol comes out with a detailed a document on how much drugs were brought into the country, how much were seized, how much were brought up. They can't even quantify and keep up with the human trafficking numbers. So there are some smugglers and immigrants who do come For sure. yes. who do need to be detained and do need to be deported. But when we're able to focus on that and know, know that we need to get rid of that piece because it doesn't bring flourishing to our country, then it helps us easier in a more easy way to say, well, we can't generalize those asylum seekers in that tent camp because many are Christians and they actually deserve to come because we're actually focusing on those that are trying to help our country for us. Now we can actually help those who do want to work hard, who do want to help for us, our country. And usually most of the time, it's the majority of asylum seekers and migrants are really good people. And most of the people at the tent camp that I've met are Christians. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn.
Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. That's amazing. Now, you know what? I think speaking of this conversation, one thing that I've really said a lot this year, and I have felt this tension, and we will speak specifically to Christians because both of us are Christians, is this idea of stepping into the nuance. And I remember a couple of years ago, I didn't really understand that word. And then over my life of having to see like the example I just gave of heading down to the border, you can't go to the extreme side because there's so much nuance in the middle and you have to be willing to sit in that Immigration, like as far as like Christians and churches, I would love to hear how you are helping Christians step into that nuance. And what I mean is to be able to say, it's not always 100% this and 100% that. There are things in the middle that we have to be willing to wrestle with and they make us uncomfortable. I know for me, and I've said this a lot on here, is that proximity changes everything. And so if you've never met someone who has immigrated to our country, it's really easy for you to have 100% views on it. If you've never met someone who's a recipient of the DACA program, it's really easy for you to say like, to be 100% one way or the other. And so tell me, how are you helping specifically Christians and churches think deeper about the issues of immigration as how do we be Christ-like with that and step into that nuance? What are some of the ways that you're helping Christians deal with that? Yeah, well, first, I meet that church or individual where they are, and I want to meet them where they are passionate about. I don't want to go in and say the opposite and what their problem is. I lean on, there is something that they're viewing about immigration most of the time that I agree with, and that probably in most of the time is biblical. And so when I meet with someone who's extremely conservative, of course, they're always going to lead with border security, border security, respect the rule of law. So when I come into the conversation, I'm like, hey, the Immigration Coalition, we provide clean drinking water. We do all this great stuff. But guess what? At the same time, we believe in border security. We actually are more conservative than a lot of our other organizations in the sense that we believe in technology along the, the entire southern border even at ports of entry, but also we believe in some barriers in specific places. And so when I'm able to meet them and say that in that moment, then I'm already in. They're like, oh, okay, okay, I can sit down and listen. And so, and it doesn't take, Jamie, it doesn't take one conversation. It's a discipleship relationship. It takes a while. It takes multiple conversations and meetings to actually get to the point where, okay, I build relational capital in the midst of me talking about and agreeing with border security I've gotten to know this individual, got to hear about their family a little bit. So now I actually have relational capital. And then I get to the point where, okay, now that border security is important. Let me tell you about Matthew chapter 25. Let me tell you about the 92 times in the Old Testament where God is constantly telling his people to care for strangers. And then get to the point where like, hey, guess what? You can be for border security and you can show deep compassion. It's not one or the other. Political parties and the narratives out there make Christians feel like they have to choose one or the other. We see that in politics. You and I talk about it often on our platforms. People feel like you have to choose a side. You don't have to choose a side. You don't have to choose an extreme side. There's always that balance that I think Jesus brings to the table. And people hate that word balance or centrist. Some people don't dislike that word, but I view it in a way that I believe that Jesus really truly lived it out. He was pro-life from the womb to the tomb. He cared for all people. He loved them. He engaged with people who were marginalized. But also in Matthew, literally that book is written 
for the religious of the day so that they can come to know him. And so in my conversations, I meet conservatives where they are. I agree with your border security. I agree where you are. Eventually, then we get down to that there's also this piece of showing compassion and love. How do we get there? Can you do it? We're providing water at the border. What if you partnered there? Oh, man, everybody deserves water. Everybody needs water. And then, yeah, you mentioned mothers and children in need. People want to be a part of that and want to join in. When it comes to my progressive brothers and sisters, they're already there. Justice, care, compassion. I'm like, man, I'm right there with you. Justice, doing justice, caring for the marginalized, you know, um, advocating for policies, things of that sort. I'm right there with you. But also there's this important piece that I think that we need to focus on, which is a healthy approach to border security, because loving our neighbor is not just our migrant and immigrant neighbor. It's also loving our American neighbor, too. So how do we do that in a healthy way and have those conversations? And I tell people of goodwill and people I know and respect on the topic of immigration disagree on what border security should look like. But we know that we can't disagree on loving our neighbor and caring right. for in need. That's so, so that's good. Kind of conversation. I try to meet them where they are and I go from there and often that works. I love it. There's so much more than just one complete answer, one complete fix all for every situation. There's just, there's so much more and you guys are meeting them there. I want to switch topics just for a second because the way that I found you was from, you know, your Instagram posts where you just, you know, one, two, three punch is what you're doing over there on those all the time. You're just really laying it down like it is. How has the old, uh, we're past the political season, you know, I mean, by the time this airs, we've got like one runoff in Georgia, but other than that, we're done for now, for the today. <laughs> How did you survive, Rondell? How did you survive? I think you must have taken a bunch of heat because you were posting some things that I was like, yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh, I hope he doesn't get his feelings hurt because I know people were coming for you. How'd you handle yeah. it? Well, I was getting that when I talked about immigration before that. And then I felt personally, on a personal level, God was using my personal platform to speak into politics in a way that says, okay, how do we love our neighbor? How can we, you know, as Christians, understand that our citizenship is primarily in heaven? We're here for a temporary time, but we need to engage in politics in a healthy way. We can't fire identity in a, a political party or a president. And so, yeah, like you said, I just thoughts would come to my head and I was like, man, I want to share truth and be in these conversations as much possible and, and be able to, to be encouraging. But, you know, one thing that helps me is I don't read any of my comments. You don't read any comments. <laughs> Hardly. My wife will come and say, did you see what this person said? I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm scared to read it. <laughs> no, I've gotten to the point where I ignore and I tell people when people say ugly things, one of the best ways is to block and that's a, a blessing sometimes. But also, I've also seen, and I see, I know you get the same with the platform that God has given you. You know, when we enter into those conversations and we're able to say, hey, you could be a Christian and you vote for Biden, you could be a Christian and vote for Trump, you could be a Christian who doesn't vote for either, and you could still be a Christian, then people are one. I've gotten thousands of other messages of people who are like, I'm so thankful that you have said this. I've cried all night. I can't, my family's divided. I feel like I can't choose either. What do I do? And just being able to be there to encourage people in the midst of such a politically divided season that I feel like will continue it, what brings me life. And those are the comments I read and those are the people I engage with. And then also seeing other people who believe in what we do and what I said to even educate and engage with other people who might think differently and comment and have that conversation. I think that's great. You and I are, are able to, and the people that you have on who, who have platforms, they're able to uh, start these conversations with people. 
And a lot of times they're healthy conversations. Sometimes they're negative. So I just try to stay away from many of those comments. And I let my wife take over my Instagram and delete the bad ones. (laughs) (laughs) You got that Latina who's going to take care of you over there. But, you know, I will agree with that. I used to always say, Rondell, that I was not a political person. And I remember last year around October, November, I kind of had this idea of like, I think I'm going to have to talk more about these things than I have before in my life, maybe because of the platform God's given me, maybe because he's entrusted me with these people who are listening, and also because I've really been willing and 100% confident in taking risk and bringing people on the show that might talk about things that makes people uncomfortable. I remember the first time I brought Tess Clark on, who works with immigration, and I remember thinking, man, we had a difficult conversation. It was great, and it was I loved it. But I remember thinking, this is going to push some people into an awkward position. And I've been so proud. I mean, (laughs) I've been so proud of the Happy Hour listeners. They are willing to step in and have uncomfortable conversations. And I just heard from a young girl just this week. This was her second election to ever vote in. And she said, with tears in her eyes, she said, Jamie, because of your conversations on your show, I learned that who I vote for is not my identity. And I said, that is was worth it all, is to know that we can go into a voting booth and find our the one that we line up with the most for the most common good, whichever side it might be, and you can leave there and know you are not identified as a Republican or a Democrat, that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and that is your number one identity. And she had tears in her eyes, and I thought all of that was worth it. All of the people sending me the DMs of whatever, they were all worth it for that. And I will agree with you, I have had more people this... uh, um, that through this last you know quarter, this last season, you know July through October, November, really say to me, thank you for letting me see that I don't have to just be what I always thought I had to be, and yes. I can sleep well with that, and I think you can as well. Yeah, that at the end of the day, you get that one individual who is so encouraged by what you're saying. It gives you life too because you're like, okay, God, I'm stewarding the platform that you've given me well, and I'm engaging these these conversations. And here's the thing. You and I and folks who, and you, you, you've you had Russell Moore on, you've had these folks who are enormously big in the country. I'm so thankful for brothers and sisters like that because we have to use our platform to engage these conversations because they listen to what we're saying and what you say is important. So when you do those, a lot of things that you've said, even those life conversations that you've had, and I love even when you talk with your children, that's amazing because it helps people to feel like, man, we need to engage in these conversations because they've always been taboo as if don't touch politics. Don't talk. Well, that's why the church is where it's at now, because we don't talk about these topics in a healthy biblical way right. where we can leave. And for me, Jamie, based on who, who I voted for, or didn't vote for. There's people who I voted for someone who I didn't agree with. And to this day, I'm like, I don't know how you can find a way to vote for this individual or that person or why vote or whatever it may be. But at the same time, I can be civil and respectful and show biblical kindness that still says, but I still love you because you're my brother and sister in Christ because we're a part of the greatest party, which is the church. That's right. And that's what matters. Yeah. I also was really encouraged by this girl. She said, and Jamie, I've listened to all your faith and politics episodes. She's like, I've listened to them all. And she said, and I don't know who you voted for. And to me, I said, I did my job then, is that I did my job of not presenting my own personal, here's my agenda, but it's like, here's what I'm learning in the midst of this difficult season. And so- Plenty of people say publicly who they vote for. I never have. And so that made me feel good. I was like, oh, good. Okay. And isn't it amazing that we're in a time where it's December, you know, we're in December, we're celebrating 25 days of Christmas and people before the election, even I fell into a little bit. You feel like 
whoever becomes president or whoever's elected, no matter or who votes for who, somehow there's this belief that the country will fall apart or the world will fall apart. And it's like, we're here. We're still worshiping Jesus. Jesus is still being celebrated. Jesus is the one who's sovereign. He's king. We're days past the election, and we're getting to this point where I think where people are able to be encouraged because we know that who's truly on the throne, and we can rest in our politics and how we view and continue to engage, knowing that we have a Savior who knows all things, and we can trust Him in the midst of all of that. And so we'll continue it. to encourage people and care for them and be there for them in what we say. Well, Rondell, you have been a huge encouragement to my heart and soul and life throughout this crazy political season. And I know you have done that for so many people. So I just want to say thank you for being that voice of reason of just consistently reminding us and pointing us to, like you said, who our true King is. It's nobody here on earth. It will always be King Jesus. And as we're here Mm -hmm. in December, like you said, we're celebrating, we're Advent. We're like, we're like celebrating that God came down on flesh and put on flesh for us. Yes. And that's worth celebrating and exciting. Yes. And yes. I want you to tell us real quick before I, I go and ask you what you're loving and reading and loving these days, but I want you to tell us, because people are going, okay, I believe in clean water, even if I don't believe in whatever Jamie and Rondell believe, you know, religiously or politically, I think everyone deserves clean water. How can people partner with the Immigration Coalition to help people along our U.S.-Mexico border have clean drinking water, which every person deserves? Yes, we have a website, theimmigrationcoalition.com. Folks can go there. They'll see what we're about. They can also uh, contact us if they have other questions that they might want to engage with or ask about when it comes to the water. They were also on social media. Just look up the Immigration Coalition on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You'll find us. And please send us a DM if you are interested in wanting to join us in providing the clean water. Again, for the tent camp, it's $4 a month to provide a family of four with clean water every week. And as we get ready to continue to do more water, families will be able to still continue to be a part of wanting to provide clean water based on the people that support us. And again, Jamie, there's no way we do what we do without people saying we believe in you. And that's been a huge blessing for me to see people partnering with us. And whether it's $2, $4 or whatever, that's their hard-earned work money. And they're willing to partner with us. It's been a huge blessing for us. And so they can go to our website. They can email us at TIC at the Immigration Coalition.com. And they can ask us questions as well. But if they go to our website, theimmigrationcoalition.com, they, they can find everything they need in partnering with us. Okay, you guys, if you are driving or running or washing dishes or wrangling kids or whatever, and you can't write that down, just if everything's always on my blog, go to jamieivy.com. Everything's there. And I just had an idea, Rondell. Okay, here's my idea. This is in the moment. I am going to go today after we're done chatting, and I'm going to sign up to get clean water for four different families, like however much money that is. And then this is what I'm going to do. Here's my idea. I'm going to print something off and I'm going to put it in my kid's stocking and tell them that in their honor, we, our family is not going to provide clean drinking water for another family on the board. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's what I'm awesome. going to do. So yes. anybody else could do a stocking stuffer. You got to take a picture and you got to send it to me because those are the stories we love. Of being able I to will. get involved is profound. That's amazing, Jamie. Yes. I will do that. I feel like mom of the year because I just came up with a good stocking stuffer idea <laughs> that uh, provides clean drinking <laughs> water for our friends at the border. <laughs> Thank you. 
Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. This has been so lovely. I've been wanting to chat with you forever, but I always ask everybody, what are you loving? What are you reading? What's going on at the Trevino house that y'all are enjoying? Yeah, we love Christmas and we love the 25 days of Christmas. We, you know, now that we have a smart TV, we used to watch Freeform and watch every night at 7 or 8 p.m. We're trying to watch a little bit of something, especially before we had children. We were able to actually watch a movie. Yeah. And now that we have a three-year-old and two-year-old, we try <laughs> to survive at least 30 minutes of it with the girls. And so right now we're just, we're enjoying the Christmas season. We love watching Christmas movies at night. We try to watch a little bit of a new one every night as a family. And then we put our daughters to sleep. We drink some hot cocoa, things of that sort. I love December. I love the anticipation. We read a piece of the story of, of Jesus coming uh, and being born. Uh, we also even tie into it the, the story shortly after when he fled as a migrant with his family and tie that into it with our children. So it's been really cool. Our daughters are at the age where they, you know, when we pray and stuff, they do this. And so it's really cool to see some of our discipleship methods are working in some ways. <laughs> but yeah, it's just been a good family time. I mean, wanting that longing, that anticipation feeling of remembering Jesus's birth and then longing for his second coming. We try to enjoy that as much as possible with Christmas. I love it. Okay. I, did I see that you watched the Queen's Gamut? Oh, that's amazing. That's fascinating. I'm in the, like the third episode. And I'm really liking it. It's fascinating. I love it because of the fact that it empowers women. And so often women are viewed as less than in many ways. And you got this girl who wrestles with her own, she has her own struggles for sure, but she's resilient in the midst of a chess game that is dominated by men. Men, And yet she has this confidence. She has this gift. She overcomes so much to become the best chess player in the world. And so as a dad of two daughters, and an immigrant, you know, being married to an immigrant wife, it makes me feel excited to see stuff like this because it, it makes me say, man, my daughters can can be great and they can do great things. So I love it. Yes, they can. Rondell, thank you so much. Thank you for the work you're doing. Thanks for joining me on the happy hour. And I wish you and your wife and your girls a very, very Merry Christmas. Thanks for coming on today. Appreciate you. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Friends, today's show was edited by our friends over at Podshaper. The music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Abby Castell, and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Friends, enjoy your week and your weekend. I pray that whatever you are doing this weekend, you will remember, I'm going to say it, it's cheesy. It's so true, you guys, that Jesus is the reason for the season. Come back next week to hear my conversation with Jonas Myron. It is one of our hands-down favorite conversations of the entire year. You're not going to want to miss it. I'll see you back here next Wednesday on The Happy Hour with Jonas Myron.